Welcome back to another episode of the 104 Podcast. We're finally back. It's 2019. We're so happy that you joined us. I am your co-host, Herman Vijegas. On my other side here is another person that Jim Lights called Horse Beep. It's Elliot Tanti. <laughs> Rude. I <didn't>, I <laughs> Rude. That's how we're going to start 2019 right now? <laughs> hey, listen. It wasn't me. Yeah, okay. It was Jim Lights. All right. You know what the interesting thing about that whole situation? Yeah. Was like, you've seen this with Eugene Melnick in Ottawa too, is that like owners can only say so much, hey? Mm-hmm. Like they, they, there's sort of like a limit to like what the what the culture allows for an owner to say. Right. Um and I guess like there, there's a line there, and he crossed it. But I, I, I do think it. It, you know you think the people that are like footing all the bills and are like deeply invest have like a huge investment in the team, and like they could, they should, and could be able to say whatever they want. Yeah. But they really, really, really can't. No. <laughs> and it's a difference between us, like the NHL and like the NFL, where like the owners are like the head of the organization. Oftentimes, are like too overly invested yeah. and too overly yeah um, involved in like sort of day to day stuff. In NHL, it's sort of like, well, you know, you're just footing the bills. It's the president of hockey operations who yeah. like, really has to has to really step up with that. And it's really it's funny because I'm like, I'm, I haven't seen a whole lot when hockey like hockey like sometimes it happens where someone just goes off the rails in hockey, and then I watch like soccer like. It happens all the time. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Like the ownership sports where it happens all yeah, the time. Like ownership just just does not mean the same thing in the NHL. It does to every no. almost every other league. It's I a think. weird like, culture thing. I mean, I, I don't know. You don't really see it much in the NBA. I can't really think of any examples there. They tend but to like, be a little bit hands off. Cuban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. I mean, like those like personality owners. Right, I guess, right, right. Yeah, They're, that's true. Okay, yeah, that's true. And, and the, there's a little bit more of like an acceptance of that. Yeah, but in the NHL, no way, no. man. You can't say anything. <laughs> I mean, his comments were inappropriate. But anyway, they let's. Were. Get into. <laughs> we're doing everything we can. The we're doing everything we can not to talk about the Edmonton Oilers. Obviously, we're doing an avoidance here. <laughs> All right, let's get to the recap. All right, Herman. So uh, difficult two week span for the Edmonton Oilers here. Obviously, our last show was just before Christmas. We took a week off. Yeah maybe not the best week to have taken off in terms of news and notes so it's going to be a bit of a busy one this week so I'm just going to run through the recap pretty quickly let's do it quickly the Oilers uh, in a game that they were expected to win lost 4-2 to two to Vancouver mm-hmm. in a game in which they were expected to compete they didn't and they lost 7-4 to San Jose however that was a game where the Oilers were down like 6-1 six, like it was not that 7-4 is not indicative of how no. bad by the way I hate losing to Vancouver I hate losing to oh, Vancouver oh yeah me too me too and it, mostly because I get like Three texts from people in Vancouver that I know, and, yeah. and, one, and then my fiance is like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> um, so chaos ensued. Going to Winnipeg mm-hmm. in a game that was, you know, they always battled hard. They went again three three. They lost, but gave up a goal with five minutes left. Mm-hmm. Lost four to three. Uh, they did get a win. They won against Arizona on Wednesday this week, three to one win in a game that uh, yeah. they were pretty. They, yeah, they, they were well, shaky, but, but it was it was you know they bent, but they didn't break. <laughs> yep. And then a game that we're gonna try and not let sort of influence us completely. Last yeah. night's drubbing uh, to the LA Kings, four nothing in LA. That was um, bad. That was, was bad. Bad. Bad loss. Uh, yeah, so we're going to talk, I think, a little bit about the state of the team 
as our big topic this yeah. week. Um, but five games, you get two points of the possible ten. The others have gone from a bubble team, a team that was in the wildcard spot before when we last left, mm-hmm. to now I think six points back. Four or six points. Four back. or six yeah. points, depending on how teams yeah. did last night. I didn't yeah. really look at the standings. I uh, four um, points when they were when they just lost, so maybe could be six. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's still four points in the play Anaheim tonight, who's four points ahead of them. Wonderful. So, uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, so let's get into strengths and opportunities for this two-week set. Okay, so I, it's good to like hear this out, to hear all the games, because you're right. Like The last game that was the LA game was really like, Either very just fresh in our minds, <laughs> but oh yeah, they, uh, they will be for sure. It, at the same time, mm-hmm. I feel like if I have to use any of my my McDavid ships on any week, I'm going to use it on this week. Oh yeah, it because insane. it's like I feel like he he's still the best player in this team. He's the only he's him and Drysaddle are like the only ones putting up points nowadays. Um, there was, I think, in between, I don't know if it was in between San Jose and Winnipeg or Winnipeg to Arizona, where I think Hitchcock left everyone else in practice except for McDavid, Nuge, and Dreisaitl. I think he it's did like, that twice. He's like, go home. It's fine. Everyone else, you need to practice more. Yeah. Like, kind of in- incredible um, how he's been. And also, like, that San Jose loss, that 7-4 loss, that fourth goal by the Oilers was a, a McDavid beauty. It was just like... Like just tipping it and just casually tipping it across yeah, over the shoulder, over the shoulder, yeah. over Martin Jones. Uh, fantastic looking goal. Too bad it was in between a seven four well, loss. Going, yeah, going into the game yesterday, they obviously lost four nothing, so no one scored. Five game point streak, mm-hmm. all of which were multi point games. Yep, like yeah. that's crazy, right? Yeah, he's he's fantastic. Uh, he's going to be the captain in the All Star game. He's a, I mean, he's I'm totally game. with you on McDavid. I, I mean, the player that I saw really well over those last five games and that I really enjoyed watching, Caleb Jones. Yeah, I'm with um, you this. who's really sort of of all the players that I mean, with in the absence of our three best defensemen. Everyone's been forced to move up and play, do a little bit more and take on mm-hmm. a little bit more of a chunk. And the only player that has consistently sort of been able to manage that task night in and night out is Jones. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and you know what? What a nice surprise. And when you think about you know what he's been able to do, uh, the emergence, potential emergence of Bouchard in, in our future. Mm-hmm. Um, I still too. think Larson is you know a good NFL, NHL defenseman. I think Nurse has his ups and downs. I mean, you slowly emerging really strong young and dynamic defensive core um and jones is you know looking to be right now uh, looks as though he's going to be a major piece of that uh, a major piece for organization for a long time moving forward on the back end i agree i he was definitely one of my honorable mentions was caleb jones he's been steadily steadily increasingly uh improving his game and uh not only that like i mean he's seth jones brother um <coughs> yeah me. he is He's Seth Jones' brother, so he's kind of like I got a little bit of that pedigree as well. Right. Um, I also love, uh, <laughs> also love on Twitter his mom also replies to 
uh, anytime Caleb Jones shows up on the Edmonton Oilers thing. Oh, really? Yeah. There, here's his mom is like, oh, that's my boy. That's so awesome. <laughs> blah blah blah. I love it. It's so that's cute. Nice. I like so, that. So uh, yeah, Caleb Jones. I'll, I'll go for go for Caleb. Jones. My mom too also just recently discovered Twitter and. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad. Thing. Well, she's she's working through it. Um, speaking of opportunities. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who was your opportunity player with the most? Oh, I didn't want to give it to him because I'm like. This is a bullshit choice, by the way. No, this is not a bullshit choice. <laughs> I, 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 we're going to talk about the trade, and I, I hesitated putting him up until I was thinking about it, and I'm like, I, and then the LA game happened, and I'm like, oh my god, he had terrible. It was. It, well, I'm talking about Brandon Manning here. Um, he just showed up with the Oilers. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, like two. He played, played two games. Two like, games. Yeah, and you're gonna give him the player with the most opportunity. He is. There's a spend. lot of people that have like I'm, I'm like Adam Larson did not have a good week. Um, I think like Benning was Benning was terrible. Uh, there was a lot of like players that need to score that hasn't scored, and and I think your opportunity is is one of mine as well too. But the two uh, terrible, terrible mistakes that he put on an LA Brandon Manning had was I absolutely atrocious. And I know he's maybe still trying to find his game. I'm still keeping up hope that Brandon Manning can, like, show up here. Um, and this is why I'm going to give him an opportunity to be like, listen, you're giving a fresh start here. Do good here. <laughs> What's going on? I mean, I think it's a bit too soon to say that you know, give him an opportunity after two games. New team, new situation, new system, new coach. <laughs> New conference. I mean, there's lots that there's lots to the sort two of take things in, that though. he did though. This that that game was yeah. just like. Was but atrocious. I mean, but we talk, but we can't paint the entire week with the LA game. We're trying not to. do I that. agree. I just I'm I, I'm I gonna push that. back on you. I know where you're coming from on this. I and I know that this is gonna lead into like a rant about uh, Peter Shirelli, and like I'm ready for it and I'm ready to take you on. But I think that's gonna happen later. I think that was a weak choice. I think you had two oh, weeks to man. sit on this, and that's where you came up with. Uh, I just I. I Whatever. Who's your opportunity? Um, you know, I'm hesitant to do this. Oh, here like we go. Week in and week here out. Here we go. <laughs> uh, little old uh, Milan Lucic. Say his name. Milan say. Lucic. Say, say his <laughs> name. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think Milan Lucic is sort of, you know, if I could say, like, multiple people, it's like Lucic, Reader, mm-hmm. Spooner, mm-hmm. Uh, go down the list. Jujar's had a decent just, year okay. for where he's at. Brodziak. Brodziak's yep. another good example of that. Uh, just players who have just not scored. No. <laughs> or, like, <I> not <laughs> scored at all. At all. <laughs> um, and it's fine to, you know, someone put it pretty well in the sense that, like, okay, if you're not going to score, that's fine. But you can't le- leak goals because no. uh, y- you need to be at least uh, even at an even level. And the only game this week where the, that sort of like the back end, the nine other forwards other than Lucci or other than McDavid, Drysaddle, and Nugent Hopkins, who uh, were playing, uh, didn't let in a goal or a goal didn't mm-hmm. happen on their watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like Lucic is the name, but it's indicative of the entire back end. And yes. it was crazy. Like I was talking to um, some guys last uh, on Friday night. We were at I was at a birthday party, and they're big Oilers fans. It's the Cedar Grove to Alaska guys, actually. Okay, and uh, cool. huge Oilers fans, and they were kind of like, like it's crazy and sort of unprecedented 
just how many players have just not scored. Even if they had, like, you know, Tobias Reeder was, like, I think someone was reading out a stat line in the last five years. It was, like, 12, 14, 16, 14, mm-hmm. 12, and zero yeah. this year. Um, even if he was at three right now, like, we'd be really disappointed with that, and they'd be like, oh, shit. But, like, zero. It's bad. And you've got it's to think really that. really bad. Anyway, th- these are players with the most opportunities. There's like sort of an offensive uh, side that's they're missing. Yeah, and so I don't know what it is. I think it's like a weird psychological level. Where are you? Okay, I'm gonna ask you a question. With busy with Tulucic, because I'm up and down on this. Where are you on the, he needs to be scratched uh, narrative? Um, I think it's an interesting question. I know people. A lot of people are calling for it. Yeah. Um, I think if he was making anything less and if he was any other player, probably on the team, he would have been scratched. Yeah. I mean, my question was always like, is this going to help the player? Exactly. I'm, that's, I'm, I'm up and down. On is this, this going to help him be better? Is seeing the game at that view something that's important? I mean, maybe. Maybe it is. is it, are there players in the roster, on the roster, that are better than him? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, you can call him up, call up an AHL player, but that's – that's the most where you can get out of the Yeah, and you, yeah. Can't t- you can't send him down because he's got no movement clause, nope. and there's a bunch of stuff associated with that. But, like, yeah, I, I mean, at this point, nothing else seems to have worked. He's played in every situation and every sort of point in the lineup. Um, did really like him for that little stint that he spent with yeah. Brodziak and Cassian. Yep. But that line started to fall off a little bit and falter and was had made, leapt to issues in other parts of the lineup. I don't know. I don't, know. I, I don't know, Herman. Like, what, 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 I, if it's going to work, it's going to work. Maybe if it's the last thing, it, they seem to try to do everything but that. Um, and there seems to be this, like, fear of um, uh, what it would mean and what the league would say about sitting a $6 million player. Does, is that going to help his confidence anymore? Is this a confidence issue? Is there something else going on? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't it's know. It's like, Lucic, you, you kind of get into this, like, this, this sort of... Ugh, I don't I, like. I don't know what's going to work. But th- part of me too is like, and this is what you know, the seating group guys are saying is like, this isn't going to continue. Like, just mm-hmm. statistically speaking, you're not going to have a season where Tobias Reeder doesn't score at least one goal. If Lucic yeah. doesn't score a goal, like, I mean, it's hard to say right now that that's going to happen. He hasn't but scored like, this whole year. By the way, 2018, scored, yeah. he's not scored. Yeah, since <laughs> he scored what, two goals. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> and I saw a stat around like there's like. 519 NHL players who've scored three goals in that in the last calendar year, and that <laughs> averages out to like 19 players on, per, per team. Per team, yeah. And uh, there's only 18, 18 in the players roster. on the roster. So, yeah, no, I, I mean, I think it's a fair, uh, a, a fair question. I just, I, I just don't think that this, statistically speaking, is going to continue. I think yeah. it's been, but Edmonton is sort of like we have this sort of like run of bad statistics sometimes yeah <laughs> if it's gonna happen somewhere it's gonna happen here <laughs> absolutely okay let's take a break and we're gonna talk more about uh the what happened during these last two weeks uh, a lot of stuff happened and yeah we'll go for that okay so this was a very um i don't say important the last two weeks this, this has been, been tumultuous two weeks tumultuous that's a better word for it uh Two trades that happened during this. I think what happened after the San Jose game, if I'm not mistaken, or is it after the Winnipeg? Yeah, yeah. San Jose. San Jose. Yeah, after that terrible, terrible loss, um, Shirelli went on the phones and with Russell being out, with Platform being out, 
was like, we need some defensemen. Which, well, after a game in which they're like in that San Jose game, all they did their entire back end was just torn apart by yeah. like a really a much bigger, more skilled, tough team, and it yeah. was just very indicative that like the Oilers needed help on the back end. Yeah. So the first trade um, was Chris Weidman and a third, a conditional third. I don't know. I don't remember what the conditions are for Alexander Petrovic uh, from Edmonton. Yeah. What did you think of this trade? Um, I thought it was good. I mean, Weidman had a really tough go here. I think that he had lost the confidence of his coach from basically the moment he came in. Mm-hmm. Um, he came in with Hitchcock, and it, yeah, it didn't go very well, obviously, uh, from his first shift, basically, yeah. on. Um, and so, you know, to flip that into a bigger body, a more stable sort of back end, 5'6", you know, it was air for air, but Weidman certainly wasn't working out, so yeah. why not try something new? And the third pick is the third. Meh. Yeah, I don't like 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 trading picks, but like at this one, I'm like meh. Yeah, like, this is getting a, this made a lot NHL of sense to me. Yeah, it was like we need an NHL defenseman. One of the issues the night before, and what we've seen is that the Oilers don't have the depth or the back, in the back end to be able to manage what's go- they're going through right now. So mm-hmm. let's make a move to do that. Well, let's make a couple moves to do it because trade number two. Oh, hold on. Well, before we talk about trade number two, Chris Weidman um, in the San Jose gave up two back-to-back penalties, and I felt that was like his like death knell. <laughs> Um, yes. It oh, was yeah. pretty bad. Um, but his death nail was his first shift when he like, got beat outside in, which is like not, very impossible. <laughs> yeah. Nearly impossible to do in the NHL. For an NHL the only people that like, yeah, I get a beat outside in is like when you're trying to deal with Connor McDavid. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, when Drew Doughty gets yeah. beat by yeah. Connor McDavid. Um, I, like, I don't mind Petrovic as much. I think the, the funny thing is with Petrovic is that uh, he was being protected in the, what's called the expansion draft. Uh, and that's why uh, Florida gave up Riley and Marceau so they could keep Petrovic, which is really funny because, like, they obviously... That didn't work out That so did well. not work out so well for Florida. I mean, it uh, worked out well for Vegas. Yes. That means what's some champions for that. Um, but Petrovic has some some pedigree, and, of course, he's from Edmonton. This is, like, a very typical Edmonton trade, as, like, I told you. Like, Edmonton boy, defenseman, defensive. Like, I don't, like... Giving up Chris Weidman in the third, I'm I'm fine with this. Yeah, I thought it was a fine trade. I thought it was good. Yeah, I mean, you know, shake things up a little bit. Trade number two was baffling to me. <laughs> uh, this is Drake Kajula uh, and uh, Jason Garrison for Brendan Manning and Chris Norell, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Brendan Manning and Kajula were the big pieces here. Uh, what did you think of this? I mean, I thought it was good. Did you? Yeah, I think it's I... fine. I mean, look, Petrovic was one piece. You needed, we needed a couple defensemen to come in here. Yes. You know, he's, it's, you can't make it all like, you put it all in his shoes. Um, needed another NHL defenseman. Brandon Manning was obviously available. The, outside of, you know, Chase on, Nugent Hopkins, Drysaddle and McDavid. Yeah. The Edmonton Oilers are just a team of Drake Kajulas. <laughs> it's so true. Like he, and I understand like he was the one with seven goals. Yeah. So that that's like, but like you know again you know I'm totally name dropping here with these with like the scenic group guys were like totally like on board with me on this too. It was like that, and that was that's a direct line from Shea. He was just like that, that, that's just their their team under under those guys. They're a team of Drake Kajulas. It's interchangeable. He's a player that you can get as a rental. You yeah. can get on free agency. You can like he was. Unique and good. He was really good when he was physical, but he wasn't always physical. He had his downsides. He did have uh, issues on defense. 
to go and get another NHL defenseman and you had to give up Kajula? Eh. I don't mind. I, like, I know, I understand. The thing about this trade, the, the outrage. <laughs> oh, the, the outrage, outrage. The outrage on this trade was way too much. And it's like, you know, I, the, the amount of people I saw on Twitter with this, like, some variation of this. Oh, Peter Shirelli, so disrespectful to Connor McDavid. <laughs> Because he went out and got the guy. He's not even looking out for his superstar. He doesn't was, care about his superstar. That was the and the next part. thing is, like, Conor McDavid's, like, calling Manning and, like, welcoming him to the team and, like, doing the captain thing. And he's just, like, it's, like, all these friggin' sports psychologists here in Edmonton. Like, when we talk about toxicity and just shittiness, uh-huh. I mean, like, <laughs> like what are you talking about? You really are that pat Like, it's it's just everything that and Peter Shirley does. There's just a subset of the population that's just going to lose their mind. Absolutely. And I get, like, you know, you didn't see Manning very well in the first two games. He wasn't exceptional. I'll, I'll say that. I... But, like, it's not like Drake Kajula was, like, no. a big deal. He was in the game break. <laughs> you know? Like, and I get, like, so then what are we going to get? Like, Garrison. Oh, well, Garrison was. Garrison was waived, wa- <laughs> like, yeah. two days later. And he was not good. <laughs> and Norrell, like, you know, we'll see what comes from that. But, like, like, you know, like, for me, it's just this, 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 this hyperbole around, like, these two trades and what went on this week was just so infuriating to me. And it's like you don't you all. Everyone seems to think they know, and they just don't. Uh, the the ones that made me laugh the most are the ones that took it really really personal that we were getting Brandon Manning back on the on this trade. That were like, I I I am just shocked that the Oilers like how dare they to bring back the guy that that like, broke all a bunch of puffballs. Honestly, like. <laughs> Like, do you know Brandon Manning personally? Yeah. Like, this is like, like I don't care about. This. I don't want that type of character in our dressing room. Give me a break. Get off Twitter. Yeah. Go outside for a walk. Yeah, like get over yourself. Like, Seriously, there were so many people that were just aghast. But you know what's frustrated me, and it's why I was so frustrated with you putting Manning as the opportunities this week. And oh, okay, is that you know. All of a sudden, and this is what happens all the time in Edmonton. Similar things happen with Larson. Um, you know, we talk about it all the time on the show, is that now Brendan Manning is being watched with a microscope. Oh, yes. And so, and as soon as he makes any wrong decision or poor play, all of, like, that anti-Shirelli group, like, jumps on Twitter and just talks about what garbage Manning is and what <laughs> garbage he's an example of why Shirelli's a garbage GM and so on and so okay. on and so on. I hear so you. On. I hear you on this. I hear you on this. Here. Here's my issue. Okay, I'm going to talk about this trade specifically is a hockey trade. Um, Kajula is, you're right, bottom six uh, forward on any team. Um, And I don't even know how good he is outside of the Oilers. We'll find out soon with with Chicago. Brendan Manning was healthy scratched for three games this last three games. He has a $2.5 million cap hit that's going to carry on for the next one. He was basically untradeable in this and then the Oilers got him like the Oilers could have got if they really wanted to get Brandon Manning for much cheaper than Drake Kajula I I don't understand he was untradeable and this is the the we're talking about like the the Chicago Blackhawks um the beat writer was talking about this and was talking about how big of a win this was to get Brandon Manning out of the thing it's like I didn't see that it's like trading it's like if we would have traded Lucic like like a person that we thought was like untradeable, any trade we're being like, oh my god, thank God he's out of our team. Um, that's why I'm like, this is baffling in the sense that Brendan Manning, as a defenseman, has not been very good <clears throat> in the last in Chicago Blackhawks. I am giving him the opportunity to say like, 
you are an NHL defenseman. We were bleeding in uh, with Russell being out and with Clefbaum being out. Sorry, what was that? We were bleeding with, with Russell be- and <laughs> Clefbaum. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you're the worst. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I heard you right. You're, you're, free, you're, you're, the, you're turning into a, a David Staples. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, the Russell haters, look. Boom. <laughs> Boom. So anyways, I'm shook. This, this, is the, this is my issue with the Brandon Manning trade. I didn't mind the Petrovic trade so much. The Brandon Manning trade, I think, is baffling in didn't the sense you, that. Didn't Kajula get $2 million last year? He did. So really, they took on $700,000. But they took on another salary. year. That's the thing. They did take on another year. But Jake Kajula had another year, didn't he? He did. So that's why I'm like, get somebody that has like a, a UFA next year. Like we need the next summer, we need to stock up. We need but to. But I'm like, more concerned about space. like I'm more concerned about what was available than what's. And when you're bleeding, you're bleeding, and teams know that too. And oh, you're gonna be paying an extra price. That's but like too. He's a desperation move. But it's a desperation move. But did you like? This is what I fail. We're gonna talk about this in the big topic. But mm-hmm. let's just let's just let well, let's jump to the other stuff that's been okay, going sure. on. Okay, sure, sounds good. But the Edmonton Oilers are missing their three best defensemen right now. Maybe you put Lar- maybe maybe you put Larson ahead of Russell. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think you like, know. So you talking about Sakura? Yeah, we're talking Sakura. Okay. Like the Edmonton Oilers are missing three of their four best defensemen. It doesn't yeah. matter what team Fair it enough. is, Fair whether enough. it was San Jose or Tampa Bay or you know any team in the league. If you're missing your three of your best four defensemen and your one two as a team, it's going to be a mess. And it's been a mess without Sakura for two years now. Mm-hmm. And the last two and a half weeks with Oscar Kuffbaum and Chris Russell out, the Edmonton Oilers have been a disaster on the back end. And it was a desperation move, and I get it. But I think that we don't talk about that enough. Fair. No, and I think that's the reason why we got Brandon Madden and Petrovic. I just, I, I think... I There's think just, like, not enough... Anyway, let's, we'll, we'll talk yeah. about this. In, <laughs> speaking of which, Russell is almost back. Russell's almost They were back. expecting him. I was expecting him on Saturday. I see he mm-hmm. didn't make the lineup there, no, so he's he one didn't. game away. I, may, I assume maybe tonight? Maybe tonight. Maybe in Anaheim, if not on Tuesday um, with San Jose. I think he's, he's going <laughs> to – here, I'm going I'm to say good things about Chris Russell right now. Um, he is much better than Petrovic, and he's much better than Brandon Manning. He's our top four, one of our top four defensemen. Um, he is, and quietly, and I say quietly because he, we haven't heard a whole lot about Russell, but quietly he's been having a really good year. So I think Chris Russell coming back, I hope he comes back to that same state that he was before. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's good that he's coming back because um, Clef Bomb being out for such a long time is, is, is really taking a hit. And I think, um, I think Clef, the, Clef Bomb being out is, hurts way, the, the orders way more than Russell coming back. But I'm happy that Russell will come, might come back soon. Uh, I don't know how much of the game you watched last night, but Alex Chason's first game back from injury himself. Uh, another big uh, gaping hole in the lineup for the last couple games. I uh, didn't see him too well, but I think the entire team was kind of garbage outside yeah. of Darnell Nurse, as the coach <laughs> said. As the coach said, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know what, I think it's exciting. He's having a great start to the year. I hope that this injury hasn't hampered him too much. And yeah. I think that, you know, if, for the others to have success – um, Chase on playing well with uh, um, Dry Settle McDavid Dreisaitl, is yeah. going to be a big Nuge. piece of that. Yeah, Chase on. I, I'm, I'm. I hope that he he stays on his the same course that he's had this year. Um, Jason Grumbrella was also called up for the bit for a day for the AHL. He's our top leading scorer in Bakersfield. Yeah, so that's he's fantastic. Been doing really well down there. Good um, for good for the AHL. Good Staten Island boy. Staten Island boy. <laughs> okay, Pierre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
mean beard from too. Staten Island. Mean beard. I liked. He's, I, yeah, Jason Garbella. I, I didn't really see him play too much. I, I, yeah, I think he played with San Jose. It wasn't the best game for him, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm happy that these AHL players are like are being brought up. Just to, we need some development. And the Barons are having like pretty decent success. Yeah, I'm happy with the Barons. They're so far. So, anyways, coming up next, uh, what are the games that are coming up here? With the Oilers. So we got four games this week. Yeah. They finish out uh, this four-game road trip uh, tonight in Anaheim. That's going to be a feisty one. It's going to be interesting to see how the Oilers respond to what was a pretty atrocious game last night. And then the dreaded San Jose uh, rematch, <laughs> I guess you'd say, on Tuesday yes. yeah. Tuesday night in San Jose. Um, it be interesting to see how that game compares to the last one in which they lost 7-4, but was really like a drubbing. Yeah. Um, Florida then comes to town on Thursday, and then they close out the week with a Saturday night affair with Arizona. Um, predictions. Yeah, it's really you- hard to you know, say anything positive, predict anything positive of the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. I really think they're going to play a good game tonight. Um, I think so, too. Does that result in a win? Well, I mean, Anaheim's really good at scoring anti net goals, so, <laughs> especially against us. So I wouldn't bet on that. Um, you know, maybe they can get that game to overtime. I think the San Jose game is the last game of a four-game road trip. It'll be their third game in four nights. You have to think that that's probably not one that they're going to get. Um, <laughs> Florida in Edmonton, I think they're better than Florida. Arizona in Edmonton, I think they're better than Arizona. They're but they're Arizona. they're not great at beating teams that they're better than. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, look, I'm going to say they go 2-1-1. One, 2-1-1. One. One one. Okay. I'm going to go positive on this one. I'm going to go 3-1 in this. 3-1. In, in this stretch. I'm going to think they beat Anaheim, they lose San Jose, they beat Florida, they beat Arizona. Um, we're just we're just suckers for punishment. <laughs> we sure are. <laughs> Here, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna ask for another prediction for you. Yeah. Do any of these games Milan Lucci scores? Interesting. Um, I don't know if I bet on individually Milan Lucic, but if you gave me Spooner, oh yeah, Spooner. Okay, let's go. Let's say Spooner Reader. <laughs> Spooner, Reader, Lucic. I bet yeah. you one of those guys score in one of those games. In one of these games? I'm going to go Lucic scores in one of these games. I don't know which one it is, but in one of these four games, I think Mia Lucic is going to score. It'd be really nice. You know what? And I think we kind of saw this in, in Arizona. It didn't really pan out or when we played Arizona this week. Yeah. 2-1 game. Net's empty. Lucic was on the ice. Yeah. And I wonder if that's not... Uh, that's a purpose. That's a psychological. That's thing. A, that's a Ken Hitchcock being like, a genius. Yeah, um, so good. Maybe that'd be one of. Them. Maybe I could see that. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna go to our big topic. We're we're gonna, we're gonna take a state of the union. Uh, halfway through the season, let's talk about the state of the team. Alrighty, so let's move into our big topic. The big topic is state of the team. We're 41 games in now. Yeah. The Edmonton Oilers are, as of right now, four points out of a playoff spot. It has been a tumultuous first half of the season. We yes. had a coach replaced. We've had multiple trades. We've had not a lot of controversy uh, per se, um, but a, a sort of like an ongoing stink about the team because mm-hmm. of their, their lack of success. Um, right now, it's hard to be not be a little bit biased because they came off a terrible win. They've got they've only like won one game in the last six seven. Six of the last seven, yeah, they yeah. lost. But if I told you at the beginning of the season, halfway through, 
the Edmonton Oilers would be four points out of a playoff spot, what would you have said? I probably would have said that this is exactly where this team would be. Um, I I always thought that they were a bubble team. Like even at the start of the season, I'm like they're a bubble team. They're not. If I if I was going to be like a four points into the playoffs or four points out of the playoffs, I would have been like, yeah, that's that's where the Oilers are. Like, I I get <laughs> I get a little bit jealous, and this is going to be stupid for me to say. Uh, I get a little bit jealous about teams like Toronto. I get a little bit jealous about teams like Calgary, in the sense that these teams are flying, flying, and I feel like this is where the Oilers should have been. Um, like we were talking like three years ago. And it annoys me that we're not there. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I guess I could say – I would say that too. I, you'd expect <clears> – especially if you had – like the other thing too is the drop-off on this team, right? It's because if so you, if I if I told you like Connor McDavid was trending towards 125 points, Leon Dreisaitl was trending towards like 103 points, yeah. Norwegian Hopkins was at a point-a-game player, that's where you'd expect the Edmonton Oilers to be. Yeah, absolutely. But the drop-off from that group down is it's bad, is huge, <laughs> and is incredibly telling and speaks to, I guess, what, why the team is, is where it's at. I mean, I think there's this, there seems to be this, like, Edmonton Oilers fans are always in panic mode. And I think it has to do with, like, 10 years of PTSD with this team. And 100%. I, and, I, and I totally get it. But I think that what, I, what I've started to see more so this year than ever is just so how disproportionate the outrage is to the actual result of the team. And I think we always thought we were going to be – going into the season, I knew we were going to be a bubble team. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we're three, two, one point out of the playoff spot with – 15 games to go. Yeah. I'm totally fine with that. That's probably exactly where we need to be as a team. That'd be great. You make a run, we get into the playoffs, anything happens from there. Yeah. And that's sort of where we're at right now. Yeah. But this, like, the level of outrage, especially in the last two weeks, and I know I'm sort of, like, overlaying on top of the, the craziness about the trades mm-hmm. uh, and, and sort of like letting that speak to, like, the entire fan base and, and the f- fanaticism of, of our fan base is just so, I, I think, dis- disproportionately bad. Um, you know, I think Ken Hitchcock coming in and the success the team has had with him, I mean, not recently, but, you know, certainly right off the bat was really telling. It seemed like the team was really getting into a good place and then they were cut down by some very serious injuries. And if there's one place where the Edmonton Oilers are, are not deep, it's on the back end. A lot of their best defensemen, the the defensemen, they're going to be the best in the team in the next three years or in the future of this team are quite young right now. So they they can't really plug those holes yet. And, you know, this is something that's not said enough. And and, and I know I've said it earlier in this episode, but I've been reiterating this to people. Three of our best four defensemen are hurt. Yep. Sakura's hurt. Clefbaum is hurt. And Russell is hurt. And you've seen the impact that that has had on the team. We get Russell back. Hopefully we get Sakura and Clefbaum back in the next little bit. But that has had a significant impact on this team. And it, it speaks to the slide. Mm-hmm. Uh, of of the organization in the last little bit, and it doesn't get enough play. Instead, it's like fire Shirelli and like burn it down, and the team's garbage. And it's like, you know, this isn't. If you told me la- like I I would have killed last year to be in this position in January when we were starting the podcast. Remember, like we were talking about how the Oilers would have to win ten of twelve to even have a chance of being like close to in the playoffs last year at right. this time. And like you know what, they go into Anaheim tonight. They beat Anaheim. And they're only one point back of Anaheim with a game in hand for the yeah. playoff spot. Like, that, you know, so it's not 
the 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 the, the, the fandom of like yeah and i just like, think we just need to always like bring the boy, the temperature down a little bit and like lay off shirelli lay off the players lay off the team and just like enjoy the game again like i i, I find i'm like really enjoy watching the oilers play i really care about the oilers i really like doing this i like doing this podcast with you every week mm-hmm, me too um and it's like people just are so vitriolic and hateful and angry and it's like for what you know like yeah. drake kajula you're gonna lose your mind about drake kajula <laughs> yeah. like i said we're a team of drake kajulas yeah yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. i think i think you're right about the if we're gonna talk about in the state of the team we need to talk about the state of the fan base we need to talk about this the state of the media um the way that this team gets talked about is ridiculous because people start taking like sides and this and it's really indicative as to like what sides people are on like i can definitely say i'm not the biggest fan of peter shirali but at the same time the the level of outrage over the brandon manning trade was just way beyond i was just like this is enough like we're talking about a third line forward for a fourth line defenseman like give it a break like this is a nothing it's trade like, it's like a top nine for a top six like, yeah like get get out of here like this is not this is not something to get over outraged around like i totally get people getting upset and rightly so about the reinhardt trade about the hall trade and about the everlay trade those are big big trades but like to get upset over the kajula trade to get upset over the ryan spooner trade which is like whatever like i get it at the same time i'm like that's enough that's enough like and the piling on over what happened last year over Russell, whatever, what happened over Lucic. And I think as a podcast for ourselves, we've been pretty decent at being like, you know, this person has, we, people have piled on for them, but there's a reason why uh, this person's not being playing well at the same time. Like we can see some value in this. I, I don't know. The Oilers are not, the Oilers are in a bad spot, but they can be out of this bad spot pretty quickly you know what i mean with a couple of oh, here good moves here and there we can be in a, in a good competitive position i'm right. totally with you on that and i actually don't even think the team as the roster sits right now is that bad i think we've had a lot of players underperform yeah and i think peter shirelli has probably overestimated the capacities of certain players yes um that but is definitely true that's a lot of those players are you know third and fourth line players or six seven defensemen so you know in, in actuality i'm not that worked up about it yeah what I will say, and and so so I think you know you get Oscar Clefbaum back, who is really finding his game under um, uh, under Ken Hitchcock. Yes, you get Chris so Russell back playing you know appropriate amount of minutes, mm-hmm. which automatically resets Darnell Nurse with his partner, who he plays really well with. Yep. Um, you've got the emergence of Seth Jones now, who's actually an upgrade over. Or Ka- sorry, Caleb Jones. I I'm wish we do had that for a Jones. bit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be doing that for a bit. But but who um you know is emerging as a much better option than uh, Benning yes. at this point. Um, and basically everyone else. <laughs> yeah. the, I mean, I mean like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to say like Manning's like, you know, the Bielan Petrovic, you know, yeah, you know yeah, like, yeah. anyway, he, he fits sort of into that, into that sort of, I think at the end, the roster is fine. I think the rosters, the, the back half of the roster is underperforming. I think the defense is uh, decent. It, yes. It's just, we're not very deep. It's shallow. Yeah. So we we haven't been able to manage injuries that well. No. And, I mean, the goaltending's been okay. It's not been great, but it's been fine. But I also, like, you know, a lot of that, I think the last little bit, um, 
although Koskinen was pretty atrocious last oh, night. But, yeah. um, you know, a lot of that gets uh, – goaltending gets exposed when you don't have the defensive capabilities on the back end, and mm-hmm. I think that that's been a piece of this as well too. I think the team is fine. I think the team is good. I think, you know, like I said, you win tonight, you got a game in hand on Anaheim, and you're one point back of them. Yeah, I agree with that. <coughs> and I think, like, I think Jonathan Willis put up a really interesting article that says that Oilers are one good summer away from being competitive. Um, and he put down this kind of big picture picture of, like, what the Oilers can do uh, this year and next year to make um, them competitive again and to, like, free up some money. Um Buying out Brandon Manning was one of one of the things. Like Petrovic's going to be gone after this UFA. By the way, Koskinen and Talbot are going to be gone after yeah, this year. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be interesting to find out how who the goalies are going to be coming up. And so what Willis is saying that like if we if 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 the Oilers are being um, stringent with their money next year, they have some money to spend for, to get a a, a right winger. Um, for the McDavid and maybe Nuge to go up there. Uh, a left winger, like a cheap left winger, a number three center for $3 million, like, and then spending some money on I a really one like how he's like, laid this out. That's yeah. It's kind of interesting. It's, it's very difficult to kind of explain over, uh, over, a, podcast. over a podcast. But, but yeah, essentially he's sort of plugged holes with numbers, yeah. essentially. <laughs> exactly. And the, and the thing is that... Like, In terms this, of how much you'd pay people. This is, this is a big one being like buying out Manning Manning and buying out Milan Lucic. Um, because he's looking at an $8 million buyout. Here. Oh, really? Yeah. That, okay, so that's option one. That's option one. The brother big picture, too. Um, it's weird, though. One thing I don't like about this is that he's got a new job with Connor McDavid and Andrea Settle running his own line, and I just don't think that's ever going to happen. Yeah, I think that for some reason, like, that's... But the thing is that these two can be, like, you can... You, you can, can interchange. You can exchange yeah, yeah, those yeah. two. Um, he's got Spooner or Hipper on the, on the top line here. I think Spooner needs to be... Needs to have a better second half, by the way. Um... Right winger, a three mil and a right winger, and this is like making sure that uh, you know we're bringing up uh, Caleb Jones, and, and this one's keeping Brandon Manning. Yeah, at a two point two five. Both of these are buying out Lucic. Eh? Both of these are buying out Lucic. It's interesting. I, I, I mean, like, I, I think the future of the team is actually not bad. I, 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 and I don't. I know that you know. There's people that will say, "Well, you walked into this." You walked into this situation, you had Taylor Hall, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Jordan Everly, so blah, 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 blah. And he, he's torn this apart. I mean, I don't know. I think that we have – I mean, where's Taylor Hall right now? He's in New Jersey. <laughs> What's he doing in New Jersey? I don't know. Let me, send, let me, let me find out. He's on the IR, which is what is we knew Taylor Hall to be as a player, <laughs> right? Because of the style that he plays. And Are he's, he's an exceptional. Hall? He's an exceptional player. Okay. He is. He, I mean, he won league MVP last year, and yeah. and rightfully so. He had an outstanding year. But thirty-seven points in thirty-three games. This yes. Year, by yeah. The way. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's a yeah. great player. Yeah. He's on IR. Yes. Okay. All right. And that's what we came to understand Taylor Hall to be mm-hmm. is that he was a great player, but he his his style was problematic. Right. I think Adam Larson has improved the Edmonton Oilers. More than Taylor, than Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall? Oh, man. Okay. Okay. That's debatable. debatable. We don't have to fight that. Yes. <laughs> Where's Jordan Everly? <laughs> oh, Jordan Everly and the Islanders? Islanders are It's well. amazing how Jordan Everly's stock has seemed to fall in the absence of Tavares. Let's see here. Let's see here. 18 points in 36 games. Which is sort of what we knew. Yeah. 
Jordan Everly to be. Yeah. He's better than Spooner. Yes. He's better than Strom. 100%. 100%. But let's not overvalue this. Like, let's, let, let's not make this into a bigger thing than uh, these things into a bigger thing than they need to be. I think that, that, that I, I understand the frustration around the team and around Shirelli. But these, the, these trades and these moves are so overblown. It's, it's as though, you know, we've cut off our arm, you know, to, to, to do something. And I, and, and I don't. I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I mean, Larson has been a very important piece for this team for three years. Yeah, he has. I think the problem that I have with those trades, specifically those trade, those two trades, is that the amount of desperate. And I think that's what I see with Shirelli, is that he moves in a place of desperation. And then he undervalues. Like Taylor Hall, I don't mind that we traded Taylor Hall. I do mind the return. Like Adam Larson is a good player. But, like, get Adam Larson in a pick. Yeah, like, I know. Everyone always wants a pick, right? Like, get, I, I, get hey, I'm, else, I'm with like, that. I'm with that. I just, I just, my point here was not to, like, get into a debate about these two trades because you and I come from different places on them, but we largely, like, end up in the same place, which is they were, they're not as bad as everyone makes them out to be, but they still weren't exactly great for the team. No. Simply with but the I, But I feel too. like the team's roster is actually, he hasn't destroyed the roster. I think that he's got a, he's created a really interesting dynamic. I think he's really strengthened the back end. I think Lucic has, has been Lucic has, has been, been a, disaster. Like a disaster. Lucic has been a disaster, and he owns that. And yeah. and, and and yeah, absolutely. I think the, the, the Griffin Reinhardt trade, like yes. people lose their mind about that. Like that was a big, big problem. That was a big, big, big mistake. Yeah, uh, sure, <laughs> sure. But like, really, he was like in the team for three weeks, and he he was relying on who. An old These scouting idiots. group, an old scouting group that had had made a mess of it, and he's completely gutted that entire yes. part of the organization. And look who they've drafted in the last in the recent years, and the success that those players those are having. Been good, I'm Jones being saying, one of them, right? Yes, I'm just saying. What I'm saying is with Shirelli, the the biggest problems with Shirelli is that his asset management has been an issue. The Reinhardt trade is the biggest problem that I have. The, the two biggest problems that the Shirelli has done is the Reinhardt trade and the Lucic. But, and the but Lucic I don't side. know. I think he gets disproportionately blamed for the Reinhardt trade. Maybe. I mean, but I'll, he was at the, the end GM. of the day, the end of the day, <laughs> he's the GM. It, it's my his final say. Absolutely. He was relying on a group of scouts that were atrocious and had been atrocious yeah. for uh, were a big part of why the Edmonton Oilers have been so bad for as, as long. Yeah. And, you know, this was sort of. You know, they had a, a, a disproportionate love for Griffin Reinhardt. It ended up not working out. Yeah. And that's fine. That was the last time that I felt as though that old scouting group really had anything to say about the future of the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. Yeah. Let's also not forget that that was the same draft where he picked up Cam Talbot. He did. He for did. For basically he, nothing. He, that's the thing. Like, the Cam Talbot trade happened that year. The Cassian trade happened that same year. Um, there were some really good trades. Patrick that, Maroon. The Maroon trade happened that year, yeah. On the deadline. <coughs> so, on the deadline, Like, yeah. anyway, we're getting into this. This is turning into a debate it's, about it's Peter Shirelli. It's Shirelli's thing and, again. And, and, but, so, and this is always the thing. But I think right. as a team, I'm really pl- They're exactly where I thought they were going to be. Would I like them to be in the playoffs or four points in the playoffs instead of four points out? Of course. But where I thought they were going to be versus where they are right now at the halfway point, I'm actually – pretty fine with it yes. i think the roster you know i'd be surprised if at this point if you told me they were four points out and you told me mccullen was also not the coach i don't think i would have believed you <laughs> i think if you told me um that if you showed me the roster i would have been very surprised because there's been so it's been it's such changed. a big change, Lots of change. from they're uh, the most active trade team in this in and just right who they've had to call up and mm-hmm. and if you told me that they had lost chris russell oscar clefbaum and Sekra still hadn't come back and they were at this point 
I would have been very pleased. I maybe wouldn't even have believed you. So I think that something's been lost in perspective here, and I think right. it's actually like we're in, like this should be a positive show. This should be a positive I topic. Agree. So if we want to talk about positive, we want to talk about let's look. Let's not look so much so in the past. Let's look in the future. Um, what do you see for the Oilers at the end of the season? Uh, it's a great question. I think that they will. Russell coming back is going to be huge, but mm-hmm. I think they'll continue to struggle for the next little bit. Mm-hmm. I think if they if we get 500 for the next two weeks, I'd be really pleased. Do you think uh, this, this is a playoff team? Yes. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I think when you get Oscar Clefbaum back, Russell back playing, you know, Sekro, we'll see what happens with him. There's lots of people who I don't, don't think. I don't think. I don't want to put too much stake. I don't want to too much stake, like too much stock into what Sekro is going to bring to the team because you know. I think this is a career-ending injury. This is if I'm going to make a prediction, I don't think Sekro's. You know, I was talking to those guys on Friday. Said the same thing. Yeah, uh, and so I wouldn't bet a lot on on, yeah. on Sekro, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, Clefbaum and Russell coming back, though, having a healthy decor for the rest of the year, I think the Edmonton Oilers are absolutely a playoff team. Mm. I think you're going to start to see one, of, you're gonna see one of these goalies emerge as the the consistent number one. I don't know that Koskinen is there. I really liked Talbot last night. And Talbot, I think Talbot might has be been sort of getting back into that. Back into the groove. Groove. I think, you know, an improved defensive core is going to help him. Uh, yeah, I think it's a playoff team. Don't you? I agree. It's a bubble team. It's but a I think bubble it's a team. team. I think I think they could make that wild card spot. The wild card is looking really tight right now. Um, if I look ahead, I'm just I just want to take a look at the standings for a sec here, because um, I want to see who is ahead of them. Uh, I think it's Vegas. Is it not mistaken? So Minnesota is two points ahead of them with a game in hand. <laughs> Vancouver's three points ahead of them, but Vancouver's played four more games than Edmonton has. I think they're better than Vancouver. And I think they're better than Minnesota, so I think that they can make that one so of those. So it's Anaheim spots. or Colorado that they're kind of they're kind of chasing. Uh, they always have problems with Anaheim. Uh, Colorado, I think they they can be better. Colorado's been playing great, and I think that their PDO is going to drop off a bit. Um, at the same time, I think they're a bubble team. I think they're going to make the playoffs. They're are not going to go a whole lot interesting with this. I here's my other here's my bold predictions <laughs> for right. this team. Um, Casting's getting traded this year. Uh, at the deadline, I think Casting's getting traded, and I think one of the two goalies are getting traded, either Talbot or Koskinen. For <laughs> rentals for the playoff run? Rentals, or if they're, if they're in a point where they're like, we're not going to make the playoffs, they're going to get some picks. Yeah, I, I could see that for sure. Uh, I could see... It depends. I think the goalie one is more dependent on the their league. So who's a playoff team that maybe wants a good goal back up? Yeah. Or You're looking at like run. someone like like the Maple Leafs who are always goalie problems. Yeah. Um, I also think that here's my other bold prediction as well. I don't think Shirelli's ending this year. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna be fired, and I don't know what's gonna be the state of that team afterwards. And, I, and it's not something that I'm hoping or like wishing on something like this. So you think in the off season Shirelli's gonna lose his job? No, I think in between the season. You think Shirelli's gonna? Oh, lose you his think season. so? I, think I mean, so. it's so rare for teams to be fired mid season. It is, but it's happened this this already this season, and. I mean, that was Philadelphia, though. Philadelphia's crazy. <laughs> they are. Gritty. Um, <laughs> this is my, that's my other role prediction. The Oilers are going to make the playoffs, I think. Uh, I think McDavid is going to win the, the, the league. Um, sorry, the Art Ross. I think he's, he has, he's due for another like, major upswing in the second round, in the second half of the season, as he does. Yeah. Um, it's really sucky that Johnny Goudreau is in the same status as Connor McDavid right now in points, and I think he sees that and he's like, "Yeah, no, I'm 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 pulling up the pace here." Yeah, that stuff. See, those guys start to fall off. You know, it's uh, yeah, 
Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think those are all you know interesting and bold predictions. I think Connor McDavid winning the scoring race is probably the least bold prediction <laughs> no, of all of that. Uh, so you know, what do you think? Uh, I think that they make the playoffs. Um, I hope that they make the playoffs. I think it'd be really important for the team to make the playoffs. I think that you know the defensive core comes back, and I think there's going to be uh, some changes there. I think that they do make a move or two at the deadline if they're in a position where they're going to make a run. Uh, they might sacrifice that goalie for uh, you know a scoring winger, someone to play with, Drysaddle and McDavid. Mm-hmm. Maybe take the pressure off um, th- those guys. Chase on a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think. I think you're right about Sekra. I think we're going to see this be the sort of him, him come back and probably. I think this is probably the last season. I don't we'll think he's coming playing. back. I really don't think he's coming back. Um, I think he's going to retire. Yeah, and I think. I don't see Cassian being moved. I think I think the Edmonton Oilers are going to be gearing up for a playoff run. Okay. Okay. And also... I th- and, oh, and I don't think Charlie's going to be fired. I think, absolutely not. Do you think he's, he... If they make the playoffs, Nicholson said he's going to stay. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I don't know... I think there's, I think there's going to be a major, like, audit, quote-unquote audit, <laughs> um, with the Oilers. Because I think they see teams like the Leafs, they see teams like even like teams like Vancouver, who are trending upwards, um, and they're going to look and, and look in the mirror. I think there's going to this is going to be a big mirror looking thing for the Oilers, and I hope that's the case in the sense that we're like we the positives. Here's some positives: Caleb Jones, fantastic. Ethan Bear still down there. Evan Bouchard's going to be great. I think Yamamoto's still going to be awesome. Well, um, I've got a bold prediction. Oh, what's that? Forty-one games. Ten goals for Pugliarvi. Ten goals for Pugliarvi. He's at three right now. Okay. So 13 by the end of the year. I see that. Do you think Pugliarvi is going to be an oiler at the end of this season? Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. 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 Okay. That's good. That's good. I like that. (laughs) Hitchcock gets uh, a contract, too, somewhere here. Hitchcock's not getting a contract. He is here. um, I think the owner's going to beg him to be in a contract, but he's not going to take it. You don't think he'll take it? I don't think so. I don't think so. I I think Hitchcock, this is... He probably took this job knowing that at the end of this year, he's not going to be the coach. Because of all the things that he says and does, he, he gives no Fs about talking about yeah, the media, it's true. which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and it's great to see. But at the same time, it, this is definitely a coach being like, yeah, I came out of retirement just to do this. And that's it. This is going to be it for him. I don't know. We'll see. Anyways. That was it. We're going to talk back at the end of the season. We're going to look back on this episode and being like, that That was right, that was wrong, that was right, that was wrong. <laughs> um, but Edmonton Oilers fans, here's one thing. Here's a plea for you. Just relax. <laughs> calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Everybody needs to calm down about Brendan Manning. You don't need to be Connor McDavid. about Peter Chiarelli? Like, you Jesus. You don't need to be Connor McDavid's bodyguard. He can take care of himself. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a big true. boy. He's a big boy. And McDavid's going to be in the All-Star team. And go vote for Leon Dreisaitl because he deserves to be in the All-Star team too. So yep. do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways, any last words before we end this? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> the guy said everything I had to say. That was two weeks of pent-up anger right there. It sure was. <laughs> this is just cathartic. Felt good. As the show always does feel good. That's fantastic. All right, everybody. So if um, – Please catch us on anywhere you have your awesome podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever. And you can check out the 104 podcast on Twitter at 10 with the letter O P O four and then P O D. 
Um, and you can find Elliot at Danty Y-E-G. And you can find Herman at German, not German. Uh, yeah, send me all your fantastic takes so I can ignore them. Um, <laughs> 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 have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next time on the 104 Podcast.